Attorney General Merrick Garland grants a special counsel status to U.S. Attorney David Weiss. Yes, that's the same David Weiss that created the plea deal with the Department of Justice on Hunter Biden. Well, the questions are many. Trevor Loudon has the play-by-play -play on just how special this special counsel is, as well as the upcoming first debate for Republicans and the question everyone is wondering, does Trump show up or skip the debate altogether? And then the worst mass migration crisis ever to have occurred on the American southern border, says Todd Benzman. As one of the nation's top voices on immigration, Todd will talk about the real cost of this open border and how Americans are paying the price. And Ronald Reagan stated freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. Educator and head of a private school, Dean Bowen, explains how Americans have lost control of the education system and how we get it back. Viewpoint this Sunday is next. the bias, the lies and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news. Providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday. Welcome to the weekend news magazine, Viewpoint This Sunday. It is Malcolm out loud here. Well, the rules of this game are changing pretty rapidly. The 2024 election, we are now entering a new season of politics uh, in our country. And uh, there's a lot of legalities going on with, with about all of this here. Uh, big story here with a special counsel being uh, appointed to uh, the Hunter Biden story. And uh, interesting, the Washington Post uh, on Friday ran an article uh, that, uh, that said this, a few weeks ago, the legal clouds around Hunter Biden were clearing after years of personal and political turmoil. He had arrived at a plea agreement with federal prosecutors, one that would keep him out of jail while putting some of his past misdeeds behind him. He had settled a child support case in Arkansas, he began making regular public appearances with his father. But on Friday afternoon, amid a flurry of court filings and solemn public remarks from Attorney General Merrick Garland, any sense that the legal woes of the president's son were concluding quickly vanished. And that is a good starting point there, my friends. Let's bring on Trevor Loudon joins me here and uh, Trevor's an analyst, author, speaker, filmmaker, political commentator. Uh, he is uh, many books. His books are all, by the way, in the America Outload bookstore. His films, a filmmaker. And uh, uh, Trevor, privileged to have you here always on Viewpoint uh, here on Sunday morning. Welcome, sir. Look, it's always a pleasure, Malcolm. Thanks for having me on. Okay, so I open up with those remarks uh, from the Washington Post, which I think sets the tone of what we're talking about here. Now, let's get first to the point of this plea deal a moment here. The plea deal was supposed to be a done deal totally here. That shocked everybody. And that started this snowball rolling. They didn't expect that to happen. But the Justice Department, I think, got caught with their hand in the 
and the and the cookie jar on this one here, which kind of showcased how screwed up they are over there. Take it from that standpoint to tell us your thoughts on the the plea deal and the judge. Well, well, the sticking point, I believe, was the blanket immunity that was part of the plea deal for any future mis, you know, any uh, any future things that would come out. So he was he was pleading guilty some to some very minor offenses. You know, the guy is deeply in bed with, um, you know, Burisma, deeply in bed with the Chinese and other Russia, other enemies or, or problematic states, taking money big time, um, clearly implicating the president. So the only way out they saw was a plea deal, pleads guilty to a few minor offences. There's an immunity clause in there which basically means he can't be prosecuted for anything else. And that was seen as the way out of there. But the judge didn't buy that immunity, and uh, nor should she, and, and good for her for standing up. So this uh, this puts the cat amongst the pigeons. You know, this will go right up the chain if it's allowed to continue, which I think maybe is why the special counsel has been appointed. Well, I, I think Garland was obviously reluctant to do this. He, I assume many would say he maybe had no choice, but I'm not really sure the way they play the game in the Justice Department. They always seem to have another choice uh, the way they operate today, Trevor. But here's the thing. There's two schools of thought here on this. Uh, with uh, this uh, U.S. Attorney David Weiss, who uh, has now been appointed special counsel status, so so Garland stayed with him. He was the guy who did all this funny business there with the Justice Department. I mean, he's the one who set this all in motion. It, he screwed up. It blew up. He, Like you just said, he didn't cross the T's and dot the I's. And those uh, and they try to slip one through is what they did to the judge pointed all this out. But now there's the school of thought that, first of all, Garland just gave him special counsel status. It's the same guy was the corrupt who did the plea deal and all of that. So it, it, wouldn't the right move have been to get another special counsel outside of all of this parade and circle? I mean, wouldn't that have been the real If this was legit, I'm suggesting to you, wouldn't that have been the move in a, in a, a United States attorney general should have done versus giving this to the same cat who... Uh, you know, is singing with the canaries here. Well, yeah. Well, what is the purpose of this? Is this to, exactly. you know, how long did the did uh, the special counsel take? Uh, the last special counsel take. You know, will this drag things out beyond election year? Will he just keep on investigating, investigating? Uh, you know, I don't think they care about Hunter Biden. They they just don't want the the Biden presidency more tarnished than it already is coming into election year or do they use this leverage you know joe biden's being a bit stubborn he's 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 supposed to be standing down but he thinks he's going to run again and i don't think the democratic party wants that so are they going to let hmm. are they going to go hard on on uh hunter biden now and by implication allow the impeachment of of biden or are they going to try and protect biden till his term is finished and then throw them to the walls after that when it doesn't really matter. Trevor, do you think this might be an exit strategy based on what you just said? I'm just thinking here. Could this be the exit strategy for the Democrat Party where Biden might come out and say some uh, some sort of a statement that uh, with these other woes and troubles or whatever it might be, I don't know, and just say, well, he's got to bow out and not run for this other term? Because right now, 
nobody really knows how that's going to come. Nobody believes he's going to fulfill or complete this process of a second run. I don't think anybody believes it at this point. So maybe this is the exit strategy. Is that possible, you think? Well, uh, that is, I I think, you know, I think they've got several options here, but neither, neither is particularly attractive. But you know the 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 deal was supposed to be that um, you know Hunter would get off the hook. That would all go away. No, it couldn't be investigated any further, and then then they would deal with Joe Biden. You know, but now the Hunter thing is blown up. So what do you do? You appoint a special counsel, which gives you the option of blowing up Joe Biden if you want to, if he's still really, really, really stubborn, right. or if he agrees to stand down, try and protect him till after the election. Yeah. So I think this puts um, the special counsel uh, appointed by Merrick Garland, the, appointing the same guy that was yeah. involved initially, yeah. as you say, completely yeah. inappropriate, gives them the option to threaten Joe Biden if necessary, or if Joe cooperates to, to sort of, uh, store things out till after the election and um you know maybe the last thing joe biden does as president is pardon his son then well i wonder then then plead senility after that (laughs) oh man well that that would be must see uh tv there but i hear you um well i think your point though trevor uh the fact that, you know, a lot of these councils, as you say, they drag on forever, number one. You're exactly right. I mean, my God, these things can drag out two, three years. It could go way beyond. I mean, this is what they've done. And they make a fortune in the process. I mean, this is going to be a windfall for David Weiss and his uh, groupies there uh, who have signed on to the deal. They make a lot of money and they just drag the thing out. They already know what they know. they got all kinds of stuff in front of them, but this thing ain't going to be quick and, you know, justice won't be quick and may not ever come anyways. But I think until, and they're very good at that, actually, if you look historically, all through the Hillary Clinton stuff, what have you, they wait till the sun sets just a little bit and everybody's going to sleep and then they pull one out and say, okay, well, there was really nothing there after all. <laughs> but we did try, yeah. friends. Give give us A for the team, you know? Yeah, well, just, they, they don't want um, Hunter Biden going to trial you know, between now and the next election. So this is one way of avoiding that. Well, we're investigating. We're doing a due diligence. We're investigating. It may take a couple of years to do it. Yeah. Well, it's all moot by then, isn't it? I I can see no other reason for doing this. I think this was the last option that they had to try. I think you're right. I think you're spot on. I think when Garland reluctantly said, well, you know, the thing is, you know, when I I watched that little council there, by the way, he comes in on like his white horse. Well, I had no choice here, my fellow Americans. I had to do this council here. You know, it was the right thing to do. Like he's somehow some sort of an honorable dude, you know? Wow. I mean. Well, you know, Merrick Garland is part of the, the clique, you know, he he is <laughs> he is the uh, protege of a, a former Illinois congressman called Abner Mikva, who was an extreme leftist, and Abner Mikva, Abner, Abner Mikva was also the mentor of Barack Obama and also Elena Kagan, the Supreme Court justice, who was also a socialist. So this is uh, one socialist protecting. This is a socialist attorney general uh, pr- protecting the president for the meantime, hopefully, I believe, to get him to uh, stand down, see sensed and stand down. It's a way of 
delaying delaying the public uh, viewing of the treason that's been going on, but also getting more leverage over Joe Biden. That's yeah, let, let, let me let me ad lib and explain that to the American people in case anybody got lost at what you said there. Basically, they're all sleeping together uh, is what you're saying here. But yeah, uh, we totally get that. Um, yeah, it's amazing sometimes how these circles are when you hear and you just beautifully. I'm glad you said what you said, but the way they're, the dots connect in these stories, they are all in cahoots. It's it's like a small little Marxist club of little yeah, do- doobies, you know, really, though, huh? That's yeah. exactly what it is. And, and all roads always seem to lead to this Barack Obama dude who, uh, I'll tell you, what he did from 2008 to 2016 in this country will, um, will, will go down uh, historically eventually and be showcased as a, um, this is why there's a lot of landmines uh, all over uh, government today. It was because of those eight years of Obama. I would, I would think many people would would agree with that. Uh, so, all right, this post piece ends with well, it doesn't end, but it says this. It's interesting. Here's what they try to do, uh, uh, Trevor. They say the situation is much different. Trump is charged with mishandling classified documents and attempting to overturn the 2020 election, uh, while Hunter Biden faces misdemeanor tax charges and allegations of lying about his drug use while purchasing a gun. Yeah, not like no big deal. Come on, Trevor, you know. And that's why we need a special counsel, because, you know, we can't have like, you know, misdemeanor tax charges and, and you know, kind of gun stuff. So, yeah, naturally, we'd all have a special counsel. So hopefully probably half the freaking country would have have a special counsel for with those kinds of charges, Trevor. Come on. And yes, so the exactly. Washington Post downplays this whole damn thing. Most crucially, though, they say Trump is a former president who's seeking a return to the White House while Hunter Biden is just a private citizen. So they're laying out the case that no one's going to pay attention to Hunter Biden anyways because it really doesn't matter. And that Trump is really and that really is the story here that people are worried about is that or the Democrats are worried about. Will it take any oxygen away from crucifying Donald Trump in the public square? What do you think about that? Yeah, well, well, exactly. But they they also need to protect. You know, if 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 there were trials that came out and it was proven beyond reasonable doubt that the American president was party to deals with enemies of the country, taking payoffs from China, etc. Well, that would damage the Democratic Party brand pretty badly in election year, no matter whether Joe Biden stands or or whether it's Gavin Newsom or Michelle Obama or Wes Moore from Maryland, whoever it is, they don't want that. They want the focus on Trump. And um, so, so yeah, the, the special counsel makes sense because it, it, it's a way of trying to bury the issue, at least temporarily, at least till after the election yeah. when they won't care. But to your so, point there, I would imagine there's a lot of talk behind closed doors right now in the Democrat Party about who's going to um, replace uh, Joe Biden. You just mentioned a few names there. Probably the one at the top of the heap there that's probably already sharpening his blades is Gavin Newsom. He seems to be yeah. really uh, spitting at the moment here, ready to jump in. Good golly, with what he's done with California, my God, how does this man ever run for anything, let alone mosquito catcher in the country, let alone that? I mean, this guy, he has butchered the state, no? Well, that, that's right. And that's why I think the dark horse here is Wes Moore from Maryland, the governor of Maryland. Oh, yeah. I I, I think he's a, he's another Obama. He's just as left-wing as Obama, but he doesn't. he's not publicly known that way. And, um, yeah, I, I think if I had to bet right now between – Gavin Newsom and Wes Moore, 
I would probably put my money on Wes Moore okay. because Newsom does have that California taint on him. Whereas, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Wes Moore is sort of like Obama coming back. And I think that's that's the route the Democrats would like to go. But, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, it, it could st still be Newsom. You never know. Even Michelle Obama could step into the mix there somewhere. Yeah, a lot of people think that about, I hear that story a lot come in circles. I don't subscribe to it. I just don't see Michelle Obama as an option. But there are a lot of folks who do. And you just yeah. put it out there a couple of times. I just don't see how she would even be on the menu as an option. I, I, I don't, I think people would see through all that garbage. No, I mean, I don't well, know. Well, I think a lot of people, a lot of the Democrats would like her to run. I personally think she'd be reluctant. Oh, yeah. So I think that the top two in the running are Newsom and Wes Moore with Michelle Obama as a very distant third, but you know, we, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Hunter Biden could face trial at a time when Democrats were hoping the focus would be on Donald Trump's own trials and legal problems. Uh, that editorial went on to say, but here's what I want to talk to you about now. Donald Trump. This is what I would call the elephant in the room now, which is Donald Trump and elephant be appropriate word there. Um, the first Republican primary debate um, will be uh, aired on August 23rd. It's coming up now pretty quick here. Yeah, and all, and that's when it all is in full throttle mode now. Everybody realizes we're, we're in an election cycle here. We will be aired by the corrupt Fox, I mean, Fox News, Fox News, yeah, yeah, and uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, so uh, tell us about this now coming in with all the candidates. So let's kind of change sides a little bit, talk about the Republicans a moment here and your thoughts on this first debate. First of all, should Trump, you know, a lot of people are questioning. He hasn't said yet whether he's always the showman and the suspenseful one. Like, I'm not really sure I'm going to show up or not. People are wondering, well, this is a great opportunity. Of course, Fox is talking about every day, like, yeah, you got to be here, dude, you know, like because they want the ratings, of course. Listen, I and let me just tell you, I don't know what you think about this. But if I'm Donald Trump, and I'm about you, Trevor, but I'm not going to that damn debate. I'm sorry. But if I'm Donald Trump, I ain't going. What do you say to that place? You know, from his point of view, I would say yes. I would say he's 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 right to do that. He can only really lose out of it. Yeah. You know, he's better off better off staying out of it from his point of view. I think from the American public's point of view, it's not a good idea. I think he should be there. Because he shouldn't really want to, you know, if he wants a mandate, he's got to be in front of the people at every opportunity. But strategically, I can understand his point of view. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is happening is that, you know, look, Ron DeSantis is doing uh, a lot of hard work right now in Iowa and New Hampshire. He's on the ground. He's pretty much got a monopoly there right now. Mm -hmm. And he is building up support in those two early states. And if, if, um, I'm not making a value judgment here. I'm saying this is this is reality on the ground. But Trump is so pre preoccupied with his legal issues that he's not focusing at all on retail politics. I think he thinks he's a little bit above that. And that, that could prove to be a bit of a mistake. Hmm. Um, so hmm. I think he'd be wiser wise to go on the ground, do some appearances in New Hampshire, do some appearances in Iowa, hmm. because... You know, especially Iowa with the caucus system, that's the grassroots is going to decide things. That's not yeah. a statewide vote. That's yeah. the party faithful. And that's who Ron DeSantis is courting right now, very successfully, I gather. 
Well, it, it would be right now, Trump, the lead is very commanded and the markets you just say and about everywhere, he's got an unbelievably commanding lead. Something would have to crush or fall almost immediately. It looks like that swath of the uh, Republican Party is fully committed, which is really driving the establishment crazy because they really want Trump to go away. And they don't. And that's why they're so uncommitted right now in all of it. Trump, of course, has to play the game. And let me say to you now, I think it's really important, Trevor, that Donald Trump plays the game properly, correctly. He tends to sometimes put his foot in the soup. Uh, and uh, especially when the soup is hot, is not the time to do that. And, you know, because it hurts like hell, number one, and people are out, you know. But I, I think that's what we've seen with him. And that's why I almost think strategically, you know, there are other things he can do to command the microphone and talk to the American people, frankly, almost anything. But I don't know. This is going to be messy, this debate. I think it's going to be a, a, a charade. I think it's going to be, you know, it's like going to a family gathering where you've been disengaging from the family and a food fight ensues and the family just starts throwing food at each other. I have a sense that could end up that way at the debate. Yeah. And, and, and you know, directly Trump doesn't have it. There's not a lot of advantages to Trump. He's better to play the front front runner and let the uh, lower ranks squabble amongst themselves. I, I get what he's doing, but I still think he's making a mistake and not focusing on the retail politics in those early states. So do you think he shows up bottom line right now, or do you think he stays away? Because I, I think he's going to show up. Uh, let me just tell you, let me just flip the script on you in a minute here. I think he's going. I think he's, I, I would disagree with you a little bit. I think it's been his best interest and the American people for him to stay the hell away. If I was giving him advice right now, it would be exactly that. Do not enter that door for that debate. I yeah. think at this point, I think he is above it, frankly. I'm going to put that out there, and I'm no MAGA coup, you know, eating Trump Wheaties in the morning. I'm just looking at this strategically. What do you say to that? Yeah, I I think he would be smarter to stay away. Yeah. I I, I personally think he should go because I think he owes it to people to put himself out there. But strategically, from his point of view, if I were him, I would probably stay away. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. He may well go because he just can't resist it. So, yeah, yeah. so, so we'll see. But yeah, yeah, I take your point that stri- from a strategic point of view, he stays above the fray, lets the 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 lower down ones squabble, you know, squabble amongst themselves, and he stays stays aloof, yeah, and yeah. keeps on a higher plane. But yeah, I, I think he probably will go. But yeah, and and, and I would like to see him there, honestly. <laughs> but it, it may not be a good move for him. Yeah, we've never seen a moment like this in our country ever. This is insane. But everybody is on a special counsel and a legal ramification, and we're all running for something. It's it's yeah. pretty wild here. Well, will the- you imagine if you'd done a fictional movie about the twenty twenty four presidential election yeah. ten years yeah. ago, yeah. and the the the. Uh, the the leading president is the, the president is senile under under suspicion of working for China, <laughs> and the leading Republican candidate is is under multiple indictments uh, after false accusations of of mm. colluding with Russia. Mm. It would be too far fetched mm. to to sell to any um well, to any TV station. They'd never produce it. It would be too yeah. too just yeah. wild. Well, Trevor, had you written that book, you'd be charged, you'd be on hallucination drugs and they would be well, a special yeah. counsel for your ass. I got news for you, you know. <laughs> uh, they, they have a thing called the Baker Act in Florida. That exactly. Exactly. It's a, oh, it's a privilege always, Trevor, to have you here. Stay close by, brother. It's going to be fun. It's going to be must see. 
popcorn and uh, and uh, wine. I don't do beer, but it'll be wine uh, for uh, for for this one here. A privilege, uh, Trevor. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, this is awesome. Yeah, what a great start to the broadcast here with Trevor Loudon. Now his books again in the America Out Loud bookstore. They're on Amazon or wherever you go here. But the bookstore, you just get it in the damn bar. And his uh, latest one, I did check out, uh, House on Americans. Uh, excellent. Uh, he, he's a very he's an excellent writer and a great filmmaker and a terrific voice always. A good, good friend, uh, Trevor Loudon. Um, friends, it is now AmericaOutloud.news. A uh, little change, but kind of a big deal. And uh, the dot com will always get you there. But it was a big change that we had been planning for a better part of the year. And uh, our technical team has made the change to AmericaOutloud.news. Uh, we'll now get you to the uh, premium uh, rise of independent media to push back on the legacy media, the mainstream, the Marxists, uh, the social media oligarchs, and all the corruptness out there. That's the mission right there. Check it out. Please share the content. Get it out there around the world. And uh, wake people up. And our audience is a worldwide audience. In fact, uh, for where Trevor's from, New Zealand, you know, initially, and um, Australia and the UK, those are great markets here for our uh, network. They they love America Out Loud, and uh, so we, we see the analytics on them. All right, we'll take a quick pause here. We're going to join you just on the other side. Really excited to have this next gentleman on, first time on the broadcast here. Uh, I'm, I'm going to leave that a secret till just a moment. Stay right there. More Viewpoint in just a moment. The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It is Malcolm Out Loud here, and here's the thing. When we reference open borders, often the talk immediately goes to the evil components of all of this. Gangs, drugs, uh, terrorists, that sort of thing, right? And, and those are bad. I mean, there's no doubt about it, and much of that we will pay a price for in the future, I'm, I'm pretty certain. But the silent killer in all of this that really few talk about 
is the total and complete decimation of the American way of life. I'm talking about the long-term economics and quality of life that people forget when we talk about immigration, and that is significant. Joining me on the broadcast now is Todd Bensman is here. Excited to have Todd on. He's a a former journalist, but he is uh, more so a Texas-based senior national security fellow uh, for the Center for Immigration Studies. Uh, Todd is uh, travels throughout Mexico, Central America. He has a vast uh, experience. You've, you've seen him out there, and uh, he's just well versed in this topic. And uh, he, and more than that, he just testified before Congress as well as an expert witness on a committee of Homeland Security. We'll talk about as well. Uh, Todd, welcome to the broadcast. A privilege to have you here, sir. Uh, thanks for having me. I do appreciate it. This uh, committee, this uh, House of Representatives, the Committee on Homeland Security, you were just testifying in. Interesting testimony you had. I thought it was riveting, uh, to be sure. And um, you say, uh, it said at that committee, the worst mass migration crisis ever to have occurred on the American southern border. And by every possible metric on government record, the worst such mass migration in the American experience. So let's start here a moment here, please, and educate Americans on those metrics that you mentioned here that make this moment the worst mass migration crisis ever. What are they? Well, when I say it's the worst mass migration crisis, I'm using metrics that are commonly used and and also pretty commonly known. Uh, That would be the number of times that border patrol agents have laid hands on a migrant crossing the border illegally. Um, In a typical year uh, before this, you know, we might have somewhere on the order of 300,000 or 400,000, rarely more than half a million in an entire year. Um, Maybe for uh, most of a decade or 15 years uh, going back, uh, you know, it was like that, you know, three, 400,000 in a year, and I just wanted to benchmark that for your um, for your audience because uh, on inauguration day, twenty twenty one, we saw certain policies enacted. Uh, they were already prepared in advance, uh, and um, these policies opened the floodgates into the country on that day, literally on that day, and within about eight weeks. Uh, we were already at uh, 150,000 a month and then 200,000 a month. Uh, And then by the end of that first year, it was 1.7 million apprehensions between ports of entry. Uh, That was just in 2021. It was a historic record. There had never been more than that since they started keeping track in about 1960. Um, the next year, 2022, was 2.4 million. 2023 looks like it's going to be um, somewhere in that vicinity, 2.7 million. Yeah. Um, when you put it all together with another number that broke every record on the books called Godaways, these are the ones that we know got through undetected. We did not apprehend them. Uh, we were at about uh, close to 2 million of those in the last uh, 30 months. That's a, that's a guess that number is, is that correct? It's, well, it's border, it's uh, customs and border protections guess, not mine. But I'm saying that number could be three, four times that number is all I'm saying, right? Could be? It probably is. Exactly. 
it probably is. I, I mean, it's a conservative number. The two, the 1.8 million, 1.9 yeah. million that I'm talking about. Yeah. But when you put it all together, you know, you can see that we're at, you know, something like 9 million exactly. uh, yeah. people inside of like 30 months. All right. All right. So well, that puts it, it in context right there. And I wanted people to hear it from you. I knew you had those at your fingertips, and I just wanted folks to know, Todd, because these numbers are thrown around all the time and it gets confusing, actually. People hear these numbers and it doesn't always resonate. You just laid out a great summation of why this is such a danger. In your view, tell us what you think those main reasons people decided to break the law, enter in illegally into a foreign nation and put themselves at great risk. Uh, it, it was an invitation, I think many people would suggest. But why are they coming based on this scenario? What, what's the breast taxes on this? Right. Well, you always have the steady state push factors. You know, my my country's not very good. It's got poor governance. I can't make very much money. Uh, you know, things aren't fair. You know, the countries are no good. Most of the countries in the world are lesser countries than the United States and European countries. But that doesn't mean that you're going to leave. Uh, you still are going to stick. In, you're going to stick with that uh, because it costs ten thousand dollars to in smuggling fees to to cross you know, to make the journey and then cross into the uh, United States. That's per person, Todd, those numbers? It varies widely. I just threw the 10,000 out because that's probably a typical number for a family of four. Okay. Uh, coming in from, you know, whatever, Venezuela or so. Or, it's know, a very lucrative business, isn't it, Africa. for them? I mean, clearly, huh? It's very lucrative. I mean, it, you can't you can't make the journey and cross borders without paying people along the way. And so you're not going to do it unless you know with a high probability that you're actually going to succeed. So the immigrants make their decisions. They pull the trigger on these when they know they're going to succeed, they borrow the money. And what I've learned from many hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of interviews with the immigrants themselves is that they pulled that trigger because the Biden administration guaranteed that they would they would be able to enter the United States and stay. And that was it. That That's pretty much it. That uh, they, they stayed home when Trump was in office because they might end up deported or back in Mexico, stuck in Mexico for all their money. Uh, but when Biden entered office, he reversed all of those Trump policies and opened up these huge exemptions, ended deportation from the interior and did all these other things that made it almost like a, a guarantee that that especially if you came in with a child or if you were a child, that you would be uh, welcomed into the country to stay pretty much forever. And that's why they are coming in these millions. Yeah, yeah. There's no other reason. At the end of the day, the purpose of this committee, the Homeland Security in the House, that, that happened just uh, just over a week or so ago, what 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 was the end result? How did you when you concluded that? What was your sense? How did you feel? What what was the goal? What what do you, you know? Well, my testimony, you know, the the committee is investigating uh, whether Alejandro Mayorkas, the DHS secretary, is is in dereliction of duty. Uh, so they want to know the impacts on the interior of this mass migration crisis. And what I brought to the table was. Uh, something that I thought was completely unique from most of the things that we hear about already. 
which is that this was a very child-centric mass migration. If you had a kid, you got in. If you were a kid, you were automatically granted entry. And so those millions of children are now in inducted into our public school systems, which are staggering under the burden of this. The demands on the, the you know the everyday American, all of us here, we're not even really feeling the impact of that yet. But this is going to be serious because you're what you've just reported on moments ago here. It's like moving major cities into our country, unsuspecting the volume of millions of migrants that we're now taking on. The long term repercussions of this is changing our country in ways that I don't think people understand. Is that a correct statement? That is an absolutely correct statement. It's just too early for historians and researchers to even measure these impacts on all these different categories, like the school systems that I just uh, mentioned, uh, or crime. But um, I, I would just point to the, to Massachusetts, which just declared a state of emergency. Yeah. Uh, New York, which is asking the federal government for a $20 billion bailout to take care of all 15,000 a month that are just pouring into that city. Uh, Chicago, same thing. Denver, uh, same thing. Cities across the country, Washington, D.C., cities across the country are having to declare emergencies because they just can't handle this and and it's just going to get worse. I mean, we have another 18 months of this kind of human flow to go. And nobody is even pointing to the spigot that needs to be closed at the border. Just saying, give us money, keep the spigot open. Uh, We're fine with the spigot open. Uh, Just give us money. Uh, So, you know, this is just going to get worse. And then hopefully historians and researchers and reporters will step in and notice the impact. Well, we're doing it now, and you're right. Uh, this is why the rise of independent media like America Out Loud is so important, because you can't count on the rest of these cats, so they're they're oh. uh, checked out of things. Uh, the, the story you just mentioned was Governor Maura Healy out of Massachusetts. Just this past this week, I covered, in fact, on the weekly broadcast. She declared a state of emergency. She's one of many now in New York City and Chicago, and even this whole state of New York did that. They can't. And it, it, now you'd think this was a bigger story at this point. And you would think the, that anybody would be all over this thing. It just tells you how egregious this is. Here you have blue state governors and, and mayors of very prominent markets who are suffocating under the weight of this thing. And they're saying to their political party, their own party and the administration, hey, wait a minute, this national state of emergency, I can't do this anymore. And we need a lot of money and you need to turn the spigot off. Is anybody listening at this point? But it, it doesn't appear so, Todd. Huh? No. No, they just the the governors, these Democratic governors and, and mayors just refuse to acknowledge that these are Democratic policies that were enacted on Inauguration Day by this president that caused this. And the longer that they refuse to call for change and acknowledge within their own party, the longer it's going to go on. It's yeah. not going to end. And nobody I just heard the uh, mayor of New York blame a broken immigration system. It's not broken. It's just ignored. It's just decoupled. The administration decoupled itself from enforcing the border. There are laws that are perfectly uh, sound. 
that Congress passed that they decided not to enforce. Yeah, and, and it just proves my point all the time. I tell listen is that uh, sadly these uh, representatives and political operatives and class up there, uh, it's really about their own hide and their ideology, not the welfare and good of the American people. I'm what you you're just right. said, yeah, what you just said clearly states that fact. You'd think the blue state governors and mayors would say, "Hey, wait a minute." The the sanity started right then. I mean, put in other words, put the country first, Todd. You know, you know, their people first, their constituency first. But they don't do that. Um, right. So you I know, mean, so look, yeah. I mean, my I wrote a book, the only book about yeah. this border crisis yeah. called yeah. Overrun, That's right. that painstakingly details the policies that caused this and on which so day. Yeah. They were enacted. yeah, let me talk about that right now, because that's what I want to get to right now. The book is brilliant. In fact, he's got a couple of books out there. They are available in any bookstore, friends, and they are surely available in the America Out Loud bookstore. Just go up to the nav bar, as you always do. Click the bookstore. If you just type in Todd in the search, they'll come up right away. And in fact, his latest one, Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History, is actually even on the front page, on the right sidebar. You know how it always puts those books there. You all know what I mean, because you order them all the time. And you'll see uh, Todd's book right there. Uh, and it has a dead, you want to really understand this crisis and this problem? Get that book right there. You say three things here, and I want to ask you. It, 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 I, this is how I, I, I mean, we've just informed the people a lot. In the last couple of minutes we have, I'd like to end with this and give you the floor on this point. You say in, the, in your write-up on the book, Overrun provides the first full account of the worst mass migration border crisis ever to strike the United States, how and why the administration of President Joe Biden unleashed it, how it has forever altered the nation, and what voters and all future leaders need to comprehend in order to finally end it. From that paragraph, Todd, I surmised three points you made, how and why the administration of President Joe Biden unleashed it. That is a question that escapes a lot of folks. Two, how it has forever altered the nation. We've touched on some of that as well here today. But the third one, I'd like to you know sum up and maybe pull together a summary version here of this one. What do voters and all future leaders need to comprehend in order to find the end, this spigot, as you call it, Todd? What's, what's the summation of this whole thing? Yes, a quick summation of that is that uh, voters need to vote for politicians uh, who have policies in mind that will lower the odds that immigrants' money will pay off. That's it. If the policy means you don't get in after you drop $10,000, that's the policy to, 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 uh, to enact. That's the, politician, that's the politician to vote for. Uh, if, the, uh, if the smuggler money and policy is going to get them in, if they know it's going to get them in, if there's a guarantee that they're going to get in or a high probability, that's the wrong politician. That's the wrong policy. It's just really comes down to that. Uh, these migrants are smart. They make rational financial decisions. A lot of this is economic. These are economic decisions. And those policies and politicians need to make sure the money does not return investment. That's it. But Todd Bensman and uh, the work you're doing is uh, is fantastic out there. First of all, thank you for joining us here on Viewpoint this Sunday on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network, Todd. And uh, 
Uh, yeah, I've been wanting to talk to you. I mean, you're, you've been a leader in this field, and I've been blessed to be able to talk to the very best. And so it's good to finally connect you. with you, and let's stay close by uh, on this. So thank you, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate it at any time. Okay. And my friends, uh, again, that book that I just told you about with Todd is called Overrun. Again, Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. And, you know, Todd is a straight shooter, just puts it out there. You, you don't have to like the facts or whatever, but they are the facts. And that's the out loud truth. That's what we want to bring here. Listen, before I move on to the next uh, segment of the program, which is on education, which will pick up where Todd was just talking about with the with the problem and the overload of education, we have a very interesting gentleman coming up here in just moments here. Uh, I want to mention to you uh, the latest part of the platform, which you've heard me talk about, but you hear all our hosts talking about it on the network, AmericaOutloud.shop. This is an incredible resource where you get the best-in-class products, uh, yeah, great discounts we've negotiated for the healthiest life you could possibly want uh, or, or need. And uh, it's tremendous. And you hear all our doctors and MDs and naturopathic doctors on the platform talk about this. So uh, one of them I want to talk to you about is Global Healing. Global Healing. You get 15% off all of their products. Use the code out loud. Now, let me get to the point and say this. Vaccine injuries, long COVID, problems of all kinds of quality life that people are trying to get back. The thing about global healing is that there, there's no, I mean, there's superior in this field. All natural products you can trust, natural supplements, detox programs, all pure ingredients. Dr. Ed Group is the founder there, Amazing. One of their products is called Oxy Powder, one of the uh, number one seller there, actually. They have a whole host of things, but, and it's uh, the leader in oxygen intestinal cleansing. I've taken that product. It is amazing. And where we, a lot of people have troubles with their intestinal system, this product is an answer. I'm telling you right now. Oxy Powder, it's right on that page on AmericaOutloud.shop. Use code OUTLOUD, get 15% off. Uh, also, got to tell you, Dr. Ed Group will be there with Dr. Brian Artis, Dr. Henry Ely, Dr. Jana Schmidt on September 8th and 9th, Healing for the Ages, coming out of Dallas, Texas. Uh, and use the code out loud, get 10% off your virtual ticket or in person, whatever you want to do. But that's going to be a kick-ass program. They are healing for the ages. Anyways, check it all out, AmericaOutloud.shop. Friends, we're going to take a quick pause now and join you just on the other side. You're listening to Viewpoint this Sunday. We are the vision of the voices. You can email us at talk at AmericaOutloud.com. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. 
You know, we just ended when we were talking to Todd Bensman, Center for Immigration Studies, about the hit to education. And I want to dive more into that right now with you and in a great uh, point here uh, about the overload uh, to our education system, which is already struggling in our country, to be sure, the indoctrination problems and all of the things we've been struggling with. But now you have the mass migration hitting into the education system, which Todd explained nobody is talking about. And this is going to create another real challenge for America's educators, uh, to be sure. And you're going to start seeing more and more of that ahead here. Joining me on the broadcast now is Dean Bowen is here. Uh, Dean is the head of a school, Waterbrook Christian Academy. And it's a K through 12 Christian school uh, that uh, he had founded as well uh, with with his wife and some other folks uh, back many years ago, back in 2007, in fact. So this is well dates pre-COVID many, many years back there. Uh, so, Dean, it's a privilege to have you here, sir. Welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, Malcolm. Happy to be on. And I'll be telling people more about a big announcement in just moments about Dean and the network. Uh, So stay tuned for that in just moments. Uh, Dean's a voice you'll be hearing again and again. Uh, Put that on ice just a moment. Let's get back to this big point here. Dean, so Todd just explains with this mass migration, he says probably since the inauguration day of Biden, those that have been accounted for and the getaways and all that is probably well over 9 million. It could be 10 million. I mean, it's up there. It's huge numbers. This is a hit to the education system, which can't handle it, obviously. He says we're really not even seeing the the, the reap, reaping those trauma moments yet, but it will happen. Uh, talk about that impact to America's educators. And they're already underfunded. They don't have the resources. We already have the kind of problems we're having. How are we going to deal with this on a mass migration level like this? Right. Those numbers are huge and they're difficult to grasp. Not only do we have an overabundance of students coming into the classroom, but if you consider this particular population, uh, they they don't speak English or they don't speak it very well, which adds a whole nother layer of difficulty in the classroom in terms of uh, how does the teacher handle this? You know, they they've got students in the room now that are they even able to communicate with? That makes it extremely difficult, not only for the for the standpoint of the numbers, but in terms of communication. Over 16 years ago, you started this uh, this movement, uh, and this was early on before I think people's eyes were. I mean, what really opened people's eyes a lot was COVID to see how badly the education system was acting. Uh, most people, it was pushed under the carpet, and they really didn't know how bad it was. You were an early pioneer in this and seen some of the problems. So let me start here and ask you this question. It's an important one. In your opinion, Dean, how and why do you think did did parents, mom and dad across our country, how and why did they lose control of what and what not the kids were being taught in the schools? When did all that happen? Why? Why? That is such a great question. We could go back, you know, maybe even to 1962 or 63, but I don't know that we have to go back that far in terms of, I think it's easy for parents to to be in the mindset of, I've got to get up, I've got to go to work. Uh, I live in a good community. Uh, I'm going to send my child to school. And this community that maybe I grew up in, maybe I went to school here, uh, it was fantastic, you know, 
when I was in school, I'm sure nothing has changed. And as parents, I believe that we have trusted the system and we just ship our kids off and we have the belief that things are going to, to be well when over a period of time, things have not been well, but we're we're trusting. We believe that the people in charge are are doing the right things by our children. And uh, I, I think it's just been easy for people to get caught up in the flow of everyday life yeah. and, and just not pay attention. Do you think eyes are open now a little bit wider on this now? Uh, again, I just mentioned COVID a moment ago, but it, it seems, I don't know, I get the feeling or sense, uh, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, but that now education has more so moved into the uh, center square of conversation that maybe we're having a little conversation at the water cooler that eyes are open that w- we are not doing a good job in this area. What do you think of that? Without a doubt, eyes are open. I know in in my own particular situation in, in the school that yeah. we run, it's just outside of Flint, Michigan. And since COVID, uh, our numbers have increased uh, in some cases over 100%. We have waiting lists. We have, you know, people calling, understanding what's happening in the schools around us, and they want in. Well, I, I got to ask you this because I've never asked you this yet. But 16 years ago, when you started this with some other folks in here, what was the impetus for that? Why? What was the uh, spark or the the, the cause and moment that you did this thing? It's a big deal. Sure, sure, it is. Uh, I happened to be. Uh, doing my internship. I was wrapping up my my master's program. I was doing an internship at a small little K through fifth grade elementary Christian school uh, at a Nazarene church. And that school year, the church announced that they were going to close the school down. The school had been open for maybe five or six years. Uh, and some parents had their children in there since they were in kindergarten. Uh, they loved the school. They loved the environment. They loved the education that they were receiving, and they were disappointed when the church announced they were going to close. Uh, I'm there serving my my internship, and so a lot of the parents approached me and said, "Hey, what do you think? You think we could do this on our own? You know, would you mind helping us?" And uh, we did. We formed a steering committee. We did some research. After a few months, we decided, "Hey, I think we can do this. Let's give it a shot." And we did, and here we are, 16 years later, going strong and uh, really uh, being a a light to the community and and hope for parents that are you know looking for alternatives. It, it seems people are taking the power back. Parents are, as they hopefully their eyes become more attuned to uh, the, the the egregious things that are happening out there to the kids and the the indoctrination more so that is happening with these kids and these programs that are being pushed onto the kids, which we surely will talk about in days, weeks, and months ahead. Education has been a pretty good focal point on America Out Loud. We have another show, The Prism of America's Education. It's been on for many years on the weekends with uh, Karen Show, and she does an awesome job uh, and uh, bringing these uh, kind of the intersection of education and the political environment uh, of globalists, and they're they're taking over of our, or trying to take over our country. Let me tell listeners now, uh, Dean is a, a voice I think you'll come to love and respect and you'll you'll see, you'll hear it. Uh, we are proud to l- just launch a new show that he is hosting on the network, please. And so drum roll for that a moment here, you know. 
Uh, and uh, so 2 p.m. Eastern time, weekdays now, you can hear, and listen to this, appropriately, the show's name is called, what else? The Dean's List, right? This is Dean Bowen. It's the Dean's List. And I love to play on that, Dean, because even my daughter, who has been on the Dean's List, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, she's gotten, uh, she's in college now, and she's been uh, uh, on the Dean's List every uh, every every uh, quarter through school. And she's done a remarkable job. And um, uh, so I was sharing with her about your story on the show the other day. In fact, she listened to the show with me that Good. your first show played on Friday and her and I listened to it and she loved it. She was very engaged with it and thought it was, and she's pretty critical here. She's got, she loved it a lot. I loved it. I thought it was terrific. And uh, so that just launched on Friday and now you'll pick up Monday uh, and you'll begin to do this. And uh, you talk about renovate the age, which you're explaining on the program, what all that means uh, that it's time to renovate the age 2 PM weekdays. Tell us what you hope to do with the program, brother. I hope to shine the light of truth uh, to, to parents. You know, you had asked, you know, you think eyes are opening, and they are, but there are more eyes that, frankly, need to be opened. And the eyes that are opened, uh, and parents and grandparents, I also want to give them hope. Now that their eyes are open and they they see the situation that we're in, what can we do about it? Well, there is hope, and there are things that we can do. And I'd like to create this national dialogue in terms of ways that as just everyday American citizens, we can take education back in this country. Amen to that. Yeah. Uh, I think you're going to do tremendously well. You're well-balanced and informed uh, to have this conversation uh, and to shine that light. So this, this, these are important moments of our nation, but it's an important point as well of this network. Education is going to be uh, real critical to getting it right moving forward. So, Dean, welcome aboard to America Out Loud. Uh, it's a privilege to have you here, sir. And we look forward to the to the future endeavors and the conversations we'll be having ahead. Okay. Thank you, Malcolm. Happy and grateful to be here with you. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful here. So it's called the Dean's List again, friends. And it's 2 p.m. Eastern time, Monday through Friday. You'll hear this on the network. Uh, check it out. Uh, Dean is going to be, I, I, my sense is, a steady hand. It's going to be a steady hand in, in a flow and a tsunami of uncertainty in the education uh, sphere. So that's what I see will happen from that. Uh, there'll be a lot to happen on this. So it's pretty exciting stuff here. And uh, I want you to now support the show. In fact, the show page is already up. If you go to americaoutloud.news, uh, right up on the menu nav bar, go to shows, drop down to the Dean's List and go find out more about it right there and check it all out. And and uh, you'll you'll see the first show, in fact, coming into podcast on Sunday. Uh, so today, in fact, if you're listening to this on talk radio or podcast in the days ahead. Our friends, that's all the time we have here. Tremendous conversation, tremendous show. Uh, always a privilege to be in your company. Thank you for joining me on the mission here. Now, we got a lot of work to do over the next week before next week's viewpoint. you got to get out there and circulate the out loud truth. Share it. Go back to the platform. Share, share, share the truth. That's the way we're going to wake people up is it's a point of action. It's time to get involved and get loud, America. <laughs>